This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. All the recent attention to the hundreds and thousands of sports-related concussions in this country, ranging from high-profile NFL players with traumatic brain injury to fears of what these repeated head injuries might be doing to our children in sports like football and soccer, have parents worried. We'll hear with more on all of this and some new research findings is Dr. Brian Rieger. He's chief psychologist in the rehabilitation department of Upstate Medical University and the director of Upstate's Concussion Center. Welcome, Dr. Rieger. Thanks for coming in. Nice to be back again, Linda. So this is of such great concern to all, and basically in all 50 states, they now have sports concussion laws, and New York State is one of them, obviously. Tell us about that. What does it mean? Well, the uh, impetus for these laws really came out of uh, concerns that some kids, high school in particular, um, were experiencing adverse consequences of concussion because the cushion, concussion wasn't properly recognized or properly managed. And this led to some very high-profile um, you know, cases of adolescence with significant consequences of concussion. Injury and even death. Yes. And so um, that was really the genesis for this. Um, thankfully, you know, the vast, vast majority of concussions um, are relatively benign. They, you know, you have symptoms for a week or so and then you're good. Um, but it's really when we don't manage the concussion properly, we don't recognize that a person's had a concussion, that we increase the risk for more problems. So the laws are really aimed at mandating education for people involved with sports. and Like coaches, um, coaches as well as... athletic trainers, right. things like that. The, the laws vary from state to state, but the, but the fundamental principles are mandating concussion education, mandating that a player is removed from player practice if there's a suspected concussion, mandating a medical evaluation, and mandating proper medical clearance prior to the athlete returning to play. And New York has all of those aspects of uh, uh, proper concussion management embedded in its law. I will say, though, that in New York, like in many other states, the laws only apply to injuries suffered in the context of school-based sports. So club sports and youth sports are not covered. They aren't under the same mandate, even though many of our children are playing uh, multiple club sports in addition to their yeah. high school sports. One would hope there would be some kind of a trickle-down phenomenon as some of the same players, parents, and even athletic trainers would be working on in the same areas. But I, I think so. I think there has been a general positive effect from the education initiatives um, but I think uh, it, it would be nice to beef that up a little. Well, you've been here many times, and we've talked about this before, but just for those uh, listeners who haven't heard this before, help us kind of re, re, you know, review what do we mean when we say concussion? What really is happening? So a concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury that's caused by a blow or a jolt to the head. So you don't have to hit your head, but in most cases there is a blow to the head. The brain is floating inside the skull, so the head causes the brain to be thrown around inside the skull, and that action can disrupt the brain's functioning through neurochemical changes and through very microscopic structural injury. Now, importantly, there's really no medical test to diagnose a concussion. So there's no blood marker, there's no CT scan or MRI, 
when they're doing a CT scan or MRI, they're really looking for more severe injuries, skull fractures or bleeding or swelling in the brain, which would really be at best a complicated concussion and unfortunately sometimes a worse injury. But in almost all cases, the brain looks fine. There's no medical test to diagnose it, but what we know is wrong is that the brain's not working properly. And we know that because the person reports that they can't think clearly, or we see that they're slurring their words, or they can't stand up because their balance is off. So we're looking for a very characteristic set of signs and symptoms. And people involved with youth sports should know what those signs and symptoms are, at least the important ones. And briefly, what, what, what are they? Just very briefly. Yeah, so there are three categories, physical, cognitive, and uh, kind of emotional. So the most common physical symptoms would be headache, dizziness, nausea, blurred vision. Common cognitive symptoms would be confusion, can't concentrate, memory problems. And then emotional symptoms could be being agitated, overly or inappropriately emotional, very irritated, things like that. One point that you made about the diagnosis, as far as I understand, is that, that the CT scan really cannot show the concussion or does not show it. And in fact, there's an effort to reduce the use of these in children because of the radiation. Yes, there's a tremendous amount of radiation in a CT scan, the the equivalent of um, 100 or more x-rays is my understanding. So while a CT scan uh, can be life-saving when uh, it does reveal something, there's been a big effort to only really do them when we have enough suspicion that we really need to subject a kid to that much radiation. And there are very good guidelines now for this. And, and our upstate emergency department is very familiar with those guidelines. What? Tell me more about the, um, the short-term effects, though, on performance, things like the effects on academics with a concussion, or potentially some of the longer-term issues like learning disabilities that may be, you know, sequelae to that, or even emotional problems. Right. So the short-term effects, you know, usually people are very focused on the physical symptoms, like those headaches I was describing. Uh, There's an inability to exercise often, that any kind of exercise or physical activity can aggravate the symptoms or even make them come back after they've gone away. Um, But uh, fewer people have an understanding or recognition of the um, cognitive symptoms and the extent to which mental activity or mental stimulation can aggravate the injured brain and sometimes perhaps prolong or complicate recovery. So we surveyed, we did a study where we surveyed parents of Pop Warner um, football and cheer, uh, uh, you know, kids participating in that, and we found that almost all of them knew that physical activity could worsen symptoms, but less than half knew that mental activity might aggravate symptoms. So I think we still have some education to do in terms of people understanding that when their child goes to school, even if they're feeling good in the morning, maybe math class or French class will produce symptoms, aggravate symptoms, and that can cause a lot of stress and difficulty for the child. And that's, a, and that's kind of in the shorter term, but then yes. there's some research or some, some anecdotal information that suggests that longer term, if there's been um, maybe inadequate res- resolution of the concussion, that there can be other emotional problems, depression, and even some um, learning problems that persist. Yeah, this is a this is a really interesting area of research. Uh, for the you know, I would say that for the vast majority of cases, we do expect a complete recovery. Where we do get concerned about more long term problems certainly is when we 
have had multiple concussions. And there is some research to show that after a few concussions, you know, you may start to see some problems. There are no guidelines for how to manage that, um, but we are concerned about that. And then certainly people who, even before the concussion, may have uh, perhaps diagnosed with ADHD or a learning disability or a psychiatric disorder already, there's some understanding from those of us who work with these patients that a concussion may aggravate those problems. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen here with psychologist Dr. Brian Rieger. We're talking about concussion and what's being done to try to diminish its hazardous effects. So a lot of research now is underway, and you alluded to some that you've undertaken. Tell us more about there's some kind of a major pro- uh, project going on in New York State. Well, um, there's... There's been an explosion of research into concussion in the last several years, and really um, there's a few areas where people are looking. One is how do we better diagnose and evaluate concussion? How do we have a better idea who had a concussion and when they're better? So we can either help them to heal properly or not send them back into the fray until they're healed. There's a lot of interest in this area of better tools. And we've been fortunate here at Upstate in our concussion center to partner with a local startup company, Motion Intelligence. Um, That's a startup New York company now here at Upstate. And we've been really collaborating with them to try to develop better tools to assess balance and cognitive functioning after a concussion. And we're excited about this work and hope that it leads to improved clinical care. And who are you going to be studying? So far, we've been looking uh, primarily at athletes. We've been able to partner, for example, with SUNY Cortland. So these um, are college level. Yes, and we, we certainly have also done a little bit of work with high schools, but this is work that's ongoing. And we're trying to uh, evaluate athletes prior to their season if we can, then taking those athletes have, that have had concussions and reevaluating them and try to determine which measures seem to be most sensitive, that seem to be best capable of um, you know, giving us the information we need, and trying to develop some new measures, some measures that may detect more subtle effects than our, the measures we've been using have been able to. So, I think that's crucial because so much of what you've indicated to me today and in the past is that many people have no idea they have a concussion or, or have had one, and therefore they are at greater risk in terms of continuing to engage in the activity or maybe stressing their brains too heavily, that type of thing. Absolutely. So I think that when we can have more confidence to tell a person, hey, look, you really did have a concussion, um, you know, or that, hey, we don't think you're really back to where you should be, that tells us your brain's perhaps not really ready to withstand another blow. And I want to emphasize, Linda, as I do every year, that that's really what proper concussion management is about. You know, I'm not afraid of athletes suffering concussions because in most cases they're going to get over them. But it's really about when we think someone's had a concussion, let's take it seriously, let's pull that person out of play, and let's not let them go back before the brain is healed because that's where we're going to see more serious problems. I also think your point here that needs to be underscored is it's not simply going back into play or into the circumstances that may have initiated the concussion, but also this kind of high-stress academic setting or a learning environment that may be stressing their cognitive uh, functioning. And, and that's kind of, I think that's really crucial 
for a lot of kids well, to understand you, and parents. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, we just finished collecting data on a study that really validates that point, Linda. What we found in children who are having more prolonged recovery, so symptoms for weeks or months after an injury, we found that when we compared their performance on cognitive and academic measures to kids who hadn't had a concussion, we saw little differences. They did struggle a bit more, but really not a great deal. Where we really saw differences was on their reported level of academic stress. And we really see this in our clinic, where kids after a concussion, for those who still have symptoms, they can get through their day, but it just takes so much more effort and energy. And they're aware that they're struggling to do things that used to uh, be easy for them or not take as much effort. And that creates a level of stress that I believe in turn turns around and actually complicates their recovery. So when I talk to school districts, I don't just talk about trying to help them get through the coursework. I talk about let's understand that we need to help them manage the stress associated with this because many times that's as bad or worse than the academic effort that they have to do. I think that's crucial and the work you're doing is crucial in that regard because I think it was prior to this, perhaps unrecognized that whole aspect of things and how important it is to be able to find the tools to evaluate and therefore intervene in these kids' lives at the proper time. As you said, making sure they're not being overly stressed and recognizing the impact it would have on their recovery. When we started our concussion center a dozen years ago, this was really not very much in the literature, and now it's really taken hold. So that's a very good point. I agree with that. It's well, thank much you more of a focus. so much. Yeah. What, very briefly, very briefly, anything else needs to be done? Um, well, I think that there's so much research going on right now, it's hard to imagine what else could be done. I, I'm hoping that all of this over time will lead uh, to better ways to help our kids. Thank and you so much. My guest has been Dr. Brian Rieger. He's the chief psychologist in the rehabilitation department at Upstate Medical University and the director of Upstate's Concussion Center. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.